19. This is what he says. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I want to give you a title to this text, but remember, we're in summer school and this year you're getting a master's degree. You get your master's in a summer. What kind of master's is this? It's a spiritual master's. You're getting a master's degree this summer. Meaning there are some things we want to teach you in this series that's going to help you with mastery. And in this lesson, I want to help you master something that's key and critical to you pivoting the rest of this year. Come on now, you're getting ready to make a mid-year adjustment. That's what you're getting ready to do. You're getting ready to make up areas where you've been losing or not gaining ground. You're getting ready to make a mid-year adjustment. But if, if you're going to do that, there's something you got to master. You got to master spiritual warfare. And I want to talk from this subject. Suit up. Suit up. Family, I want to use this introduction as an opportunity to inform some and announce to others that we are all in a war facing an invisible adversary who is aggressively attempting to inhibit us from experiencing life as God intended. I'll say it again. All of us from the front to the back. All of us, Lottie Dottie and everybody, all of us are in a war yes. facing an invisible adversary yes. who is aggressively, whether you aggressive or not, he is aggressively attempting to inhibit us from experiencing life as God intended. This alone is unfortunate, but what exacerbates the reality of this war is that most believers don't even know they're in it. Mm, come on. Did you hear what I just said? Mm -hmm. However, our ignorance of it does not exempt us from the repercussions from it. Therefore, many of us are experiencing opposition that we are inaccurately understanding, we are ignoring it, or we are mislabeling it. Consequently, every year, many of us receive revelations about what we need to do differently. We make declarations about what we're going to do differently, make resolutions about what will happen differently, but we fail to see results. And the failure to see the, the, the desired result cannot always be attributed to the absence of willpower. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, oh, uh, watch this, watch this, watch this. Uh, but, but sometimes there is, watch this, not the, the, the issue is not the absence of willpower, but the presence of an evil, invisible force that is actually opposing your efforts. 
Did you hear what I just said? I said sometimes it's not that you're not strong enough. Sometimes it's not that you're not smart enough. Sometimes it's not that you don't want it enough. And away with these individuals who are infecting you mentally with information that suggests if you're not reaching your goals, it's because you are emotionally unstable or spiritually weak. Sometimes you are not reaching your goal because you are dealing with the reality of some spiritual opposition and evil invisible force that the Bible calls the devil and Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. This It isn't always you just don't want it bad enough. I want somebody in the room and somebody in the chat to be honest and say, I want it. Yeah, if I didn't want it, it wouldn't bother me that I don't have it. If I didn't want it, I wouldn't be upset when it didn't come to pass. If I didn't want it, I wouldn't be frustrated and agitated when I'm not walking in my potential. Yeah, do you think I want to want something and not have it? If I could not want it anymore, I would not want it because wanting it is making me frustrated. Don't tell me I don't want it. I want it. Don't tell me I'm not trying hard enough. Some of us are trying. Trying to be better. Trying to be stronger. Trying to parent the children. Trying to love the spouse. Trying to launch the business. Trying to break the habit. Trying to break the addiction. We want it. But we cannot make these blank, sweeping statements. Run from a cultural perspective, it's all you. Then from a hyper-religious perspective, it's all the devil. Just because all of it in the devil doesn't mean some of it's not the devil. I need somebody to talk back to me today. I said just because all of it isn't the devil doesn't mean some of it in the devil. And the devil wants you operating in extremes where it's always him, him all of the time, or it's him none of the time. This is why you need something that the Bible calls discernment. That's the one thing your pastor can't give you. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, yeah that, that's the one, that's, that's one of many things your pastor can't give you. That's one thing you got to have. No matter how much I preach, I can't give it to you. No matter how much I scream, I can't give it to you. You can only get that one directly from the source. Yep. That comes from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that is something that keeps you from being codependent on the pastor. Yeah. Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right there, codependent on the pastor so that you can receive directly from the Holy Spirit. Everything in the devil, but some things are. Jesus used his tongue as a paintbrush to paint a picture of this truth. In John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes only. Did you hear what I just said? Somebody put only in the chat. Somebody say only in the room. Only. He, he, he comes only. That's the only reason he comes. Wherever he is, the only thing he's trying to do, he's never, he's never, his presence is never benign. He's never just there just to be there. He's not just there just to be there. He's not just in the garden just to be in the garden. Wherever the devil is, Jesus said, this is the only thing he's trying to do. He comes only 
to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I think we have been operating in one of two religious or cultural extremes, and that is absolutely being up so enemy obsessive that everything is the devil but here's the danger and this is what I'm trying to correct today is going to the other extreme and almost denying his existence and to do so is unintelligent illogical and unbiblical one of the first things you run into when you open up the Bible is him the snake and one of the last things you run into before you close the Bible in Revelation is the dragon. In Genesis, he's the snake. In Revelation, he's the dragon. Jesus clearly claims, claims there's another individual who's aggressively at work in an attempt to steal, kill, and destroy. And you can dismiss his existence. You can label it as unintellectual and unreal. And, but not to believe in the devil is not to believe in the Bible itself. And just because you cannot see something doesn't mean it doesn't impact you. You can't see COVID, but you can catch it. Y'all, come on here. You can't see the flu, but you can catch it. Yes, yeah, some, some, watch this. Some things that have the greatest impact are things that are most difficult to see. And the enemy who's known by many names, Satan, the devil, Lucifer, may not be seen, but he is felt impacting your world. Listen to me. And you may not be fighting him. But he fighting you. Somebody wave at me if I'm preaching to you already. I said, you may not be fighting him, but he is fighting you. But I believe if there's one thing some of us are going to do this summer, some of us are going to fight. <laughs> yeah, you're going to fight for your progress. You're not just going to lay on the beach. You're going to fight. You're not just going to take a cruise. You're going to fight. You're not just going to go to the shore. You're going to fight because you made a decision that this is not just the summer you're going to go through. This is a summer you're going to grow through but you cannot progress without including in your growth plan <laughs> without, without including on your vision board without including in your life strategies a strategy for addressing the invisible evil opposing force that the Bible knows by many names, calls many names, Satan, the devil, Lucifer, cannot progress without accurately identifying and addressing him. This is what Paul is trying to get baby believers to understand in Ephesus. I need you to hear what I'm saying. He's talking to new Christians in Ephesus. He's not talking to us that's been to Sunday school, been to vacation Bible school, that's been to tarrying services. He is talking to new believers and he is saying to them, he, watch this, he, he's saying to people who are populated in Ephesus, he's saying, listen, I cannot afford for you to begin your spiritual journey and not be aware of the opposition you're going to receive that will not make sense to you if you don't understand the existence of a realm that cannot be accessed by the five senses 
says, watch this. He says, I'm setting you up for failure to tell you to pray without telling you something's going to oppose your prayer life. I'm setting you up for failure to tell you to love your enemies without telling you there's going to be another force that's going to make it hard for you to do that. I'm setting you up for failure not to tell you that when you try to do the right thing, there is a possibility that everything that's wrong will start happening simultaneously in your life. And I believe that this is the reason many baby believers get knocked off track, defect from the faith, because we're not telling them this part. So Paul is telling these new believers, he said, listen, you will be wrestling and fighting against some things you can't see. Y'all yes. yes. better come get me today. I ain't even. My God. He told them, listen, your struggle. Oh, here it is. Let me go old school. Let me go old school. Here it is. We wrestle not. Y'all not talking back to me. <laughs> we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Come on. He said, he said, that's not, watch this. He's not just talking about other people's flesh and blood. He's, he's also talking about your flesh and blood. Uh, he, he said, that's not the only thing that you're wrestling with. He says, we're wrestling with all kinds of opposition. I don't even have time to break it down. Principalities and powers. Rulers of darkness spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Whenever you see heavenly in the Bible, don't think heaven. Heavenly simply refers to not a realm that's just higher than you, but a realm that exists all around you that just cannot be accessed by your five senses. And Paul says in that realm, you're dealing with all levels of opposition. He says, so he, he's, when he says principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, it's not the same Greek word that is translated differently in the English. It is literally different Greek words that have completely different connotations. Principalities, let me use bad grammar, ain't powers. Rulers of darkness is different from spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And so, watch this. This is why some things are more difficult to overcome. Because you're dealing with something that is more powerful in rank. Man, let me... Okay. If I could just take three minutes and explain that. Say yes. Say yes. Come on. Okay. Come on. Put yes in the chat. If I can just take three minutes and explain that. All right. There's a story... In, in your Bible, if you hadn't tore it out, it's in your Bible. Daniel chapter number 10. All right. In Daniel chapter number 10, this is what you're going to see. You're going to see Daniel fasting 21 days. And he's fasting because he's trying to get clarity on something. 21 days. He's fasting. The Bible says toward the end of the fast, there is an angel. That says, hey, 
remember now, the Holy Spirit is not indwelling people in the Old Testament. Comes up on, but not within. So messengers came from angels. Messengers, right? So a message now comes to Daniel from the angel. He said, now uh, listen. He said, from the first day, you set your heart to under... Y'all don't believe me. No, 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 no. You, you don't, you don't, no, no, you don't believe me. You, I'm looking at you. You don't even look like you believe me. Uh-huh. But no, we're going to read this together. We're going old school. I wish I had a reader. Read. See, some of you grew up in that church. Here it is. Here it is. Daniel chapter number 10, verse 12. He says, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. He said, the first day you asked me, I heard you. Come on. He said, he said from the first day you set your mind to gain understanding, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. Here it is. But, somebody open your mouth and say, but. Come on, say it like you're Pentecostal and Baptist. But, here it is, here it is. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there by the prince of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Now let me ask you something. Is a literal angel who's coming from uh, the heavenly realm outside the senses to, uh, to the natural realm, which is the realm within the senses. How can a literal prince hold him up? Because he's not talking about a literal prince here. How do I know? Because he says one of the chief princes, Michael, who is one of right a, a rank of angels that we call archangels, right? Gabriel's one, Michael's one. So he's trying to give Daniel clarity on a spiritual reality. And he said, one of the prince of Persians held me up. He resisted me 21 days. I had to call. Y'all missing this? I had to call for assistance. I had to call for, I couldn't call Ray Ray. I had to call Michael. I had to call one of the chief princes because this thing was so strong, it held me up and I couldn't overcome it by myself. That is a principality that affects geographical regions, ethnic groups, and bloodlines. Y'all better come get me here. I said geographical regions ethnic groups and bloodlines there are principalities in regions there are principalities at work trying to influence people groups and there are principalities at work trying to influence your bloodline but the devil is mad today because you getting ready to break something off your family you're getting ready to break something out of your region because God has given us the blueprint and he's given us a name I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> that's above every other name and at the name of Jesus every knee must bow and every tongue will confess that's why it's harder to break certain things than others 
Don't miss this. So what Paul's trying to do, he's trying to get people in Ephesus to understand this. He's like, set your boundaries, do your affirmations, do, do all of that. He says, but if you're really going to win, you're going to have to do something else. And at some point, we've got to become authentic and honest in the church and say our historic and tra traditional methodologies when it comes to progressing and growing, they don't work. At some point, we plateau. <laughs> I mean, if you're honest, if, it, if at, some point, at some point, we plateau. And Paul's trying to get believers in Ephesus to understand, listen, I don't want you going on this journey without understanding the reality of what you're going to deal with. So let me give you a key to positioning yourself. So that when life happens, you don't have to worry about, is this the flesh? Is this life? Is this the devil? He says, I want you obsessed. So he says, this is what I need you to do. Just suit up. <laughs> Y'all didn't hear what I just said. He said, listen, just suit up. If you suit up, no matter where it's coming from, you're going to be all right. He said, he said so, so, so don't, don't, don't become so obsessed that you're wondering and worrying. Is this the enemy? Is this the devil? Do I need to bind? Do I need to lose? He said, just suit up. And some of you, this has to be the year where you use some different summer clothes. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> yeah, I know you got summer clothes that are summer clothes. You got summer clothes. I got summer clothes. Brothers, we got to talk about the shorts. That's a different conversation. But listen to me. We all got summer clothes. But this summer, you need to include these clothes in your wardrobe. So Paul tells them to suit up. And listen, listen he, he, he goes right in the text, verse 13. I'm almost done. Are y'all all right? Yeah, if, if, if you're not bored, say amen. All right. All right, here it is. Watch what Paul says. In verse 13, he tells them, he says, Therefore, since you're in this battle, put on the full armor of God. Okay, two things, two aspects of the admonition that can't be ignored. First of all, he says, put it on. Which means it don't get on you automatically. Did you hear what I just said? He says, he says, he says, you must put it on. God supplies, we apply. Boy, I don't have time. I need to do a whole series on warfare. When some of the some of the patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith would say things like the blood of Jesus in response to bad news or tragedy. When they would say things like, plead the blood. They're not supplying, they're applying. Jesus already supplied. But when they say, I plead the blood, what they're saying is, I apply what he supplied. It, it, is, it is the verbal equivalent of what Moses it told the heads of households to do in the book of Exodus during Passover. He said, take the blood and apply it 
to the doorpost. And if you apply it to the doorpost, the angel of death has to pass over. And I know some of you are ridiculing those statements. You were diminishing those statements. You were making fun of people who made those statements. But you better have a little old school in your new school. And every now and then, you better learn how to apply what he supplied. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. The blood over my children. The blood over my home. The blood over my church. The blood over my mind. I'm covered in it. Protected by it. Protected. Because of the blood. He said, put it on. We got to apply. All right. Now, now watch this. Watch this. It means it's available, but we got to participate in our own protection. All right. Now, now he says, now he says, he says, put on the full armor of God. Which means put on all of it. Not some of it. All of it. Watch this. Because whatever, watch this. Wherever you're unclothed, you're uncovered. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, wherever you're unclothed, you're uncovered. So that for you not to have everything on, he's just looking for the one place where you don't have it on. And the one place you're not suited up is the one place he's going to attack. I don't know who this is for, but I'm trying to tell somebody who's confused about what, what's happening in your life and why it seems like the enemy keeps getting an advantage over you. I'm telling you there might be one area where you're not clothed. And God's trying to tell us through Paul to put on the full armor. He says you can't have the war. And then he gives them, are y'all all right? I got nine minutes. He, he gives them the articles they need to include in their arsenal. The first thing he tells them is to put on the belt of truth. That's verse 14. Paul was imprisoned when he wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus. And he was under the guard and the custody of Roman soldiers. And he probably used their uniforms as inspiration to articulate these truths. The belt is what held everything together. Y'all missed that. The weapons were hanging from the belt. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, here it is. The belt is what held everything together and it was used to hold the other weapons that were attached to it. It's a belt though of truth. So if you don't have truth, none of the other weapons work. Did you hear what I just said? Prayer is a weapon. But if you don't have the truth about prayer, prayer won't work. Praise is a weapon. But if you don't have the truth about praise, praise won't work. Binding and loosing is a weapon. But if you don't know the truth about binding and loosing, it won't work. <laughs> this is why the devil wants to keep you out of a house of truth. Y'all come get me today. I said this is why the devil wants to keep you out of a house of truth. Because he knows inspiration gives you the motivation to fight. But it doesn't give you the skills you need to win. God, I feel like fighting the devil right now. I said inspiration alone gives you the motivation to fight. But it doesn't give you the skills you need to win. Because you don't know how to use your weapons. So make sure you're putting on truth. I'm not going to bother this much 
because I, I want you to catch this. I want, you need to be more discerning in this summer about who you're listening to. Because the devil doesn't just use the world to deceive you. Most of our deception about religion came from religion. Oh, <laughs> did you hear what I just said? Most of the stuff you confused on, the world didn't confuse you. What kind of summer message is this? <laughs> we are not playing any games this summer. We're not just giving you any cute sermons this summer. We are not going to have a summer we regret. We're not going to look back at this summer and say I wasted it. Do you know every time you go through a summer you subtract one off the ones God's given you? So when this one's over, subtract it. You got one less. Teach us, David said, to number our days. Teach us to know my days are counted. I treat them differently when I know I have a limited amount of them. And some of you, this is the season for you to stop letting other people waste days that don't belong to them. They do not have the right to tell you what you should be doing with your days. They don't know how many they have. They don't know how many you have. You better use these days that God has given you. He says, put on the belt, the belt of truth. All right, here, here it is. Next thing he says is put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was a piece of armor that covered the chest down to the midsection. Your heart down to everything else. Here it is. He's saying, you can't win in spiritual warfare if you don't have your heart protected. Can I just talk to you? If I could just talk to you, wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. If I could just talk to you, I talk to you straight. Okay. This summer, you need to be smarter with your heart. See? Come here now. I'm not, play, I'm not playing no games. The majority of our church at every location is single. I'm telling you, as your spiritual leader, you need to be more discerning with your heart when you are in chronic and constant heartbreak you are setting your heart up to become a heart of stone as opposed to a heart of flesh and you not only become less sensitive to people you become less sensitive to God Did you hear what I just said? It is better to be alone with a whole heart than be with somebody with a broken one. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, come on. It is. Like, I want somebody, somebody put this in the chat and somebody please take notes on this and tweet it, post it or whatever. It's better to be bored than broken. Some of you are risking brokenness because you're tired of boredom. I'd rather be bored than broken. Breast 
breastplate of righteousness. Then he moves to shoes of peace. I love the way the King James says it. Says your feet shod. Hallelujah. There's <laughs> something on that. I, I need my feet shod. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Watch this. Watch this. See, this is what happens. Most of us see like movies about, you know, Roman and, and, and uh, Greek. Uh, uh, warfare and soldiers and you see the top of their shoes and you're like how are they fighting in some sandals but you don't see the bottom the bottom of their shoes has spikes somewhat similar to cleats which allowed them to plant themselves and not be easily moved to and fro not to be pushed off their spot see some of us don't have a grip and so any little contrary wind or any type of opposition gets us out of position but he says peace gives you a grip Come on now. Come on. Peace, peace. The gospel grants us peace that passes all understanding. And the enemy will use anxiety and other areas, issues as a psychological weapon to destroy us. But the gospel produces peace with God, others, and myself. And it helps me get a grip. This summer, don't fight to be right. Fight for your peace. Uh, I, come on, did you, <laughs> did you hear what I just said? This is not the summer to be right. Let them be right if they think they right. Some people just got to be right. Your peace is not worth winning because if you win it and lose your peace, you still lost. Because when you lose your peace, you lose your grip. So many of us, are y'all seeing this? We don't see the enemy at work. Attacking our heart. Makes sense? We don't, I mean, we don't see the belt of truth. We don't see the enemy at work by feeding us deception. That's spiritual warfare. See, when I talked about mastering spiritual warfare, we started thinking about demons. Not realizing, he says, I don't just use demons. I use deception. He said, I'm in the bad doctrine too. That's the way I'm doing warfare. He says, you're so busy looking for the nuclear bombs, you're missing the landmines. I rarely use the nukes. This is why Solomon says, catch now the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that's doing big damage. He said, I'm at work. The devil's at work in deception. The devil's at work trying to break this heart and make you bitter and hold unforgiveness. The devil's at work trying to keep you in positions where you are forfeiting peace. You can't fight without that. Did you hear what I just said? Do you guys know, I don't have time to deal with all this, but do you know excellence is not about excellence, excellence is about your peace? The devil's not just fighting you in the area of excellence just because he don't want you to be excellent. Excellence brings order, order brings peace. That's warfare. 
Ontario, here it is. The helmet of salvation. This next piece of equipment covers the head. The helmet anticipates contact is only necessary because the one because the activity one is engaged in has the potential to harm harm a part of you that controls the rest of you. This right here controls everything. If this head doesn't work, your hands don't. If this head doesn't work, your feet don't. And there are some things that will hit you so hard, it'll mess your mind up. Cause spiritual and emotional brain damage. And so Paul is telling Christians, put on the helmet of salvation. But, the, but they're already saved. The Bible is written by believers, primarily to believers. Some of the Gospels have like an evangelistic bend toward them. Not all of them. Matthew's writing primarily to, it's still evangelistic, but it's writing primarily to a Jewish audience, not so much with Luke. The point I'm making is, though, once you get past the Gospels and you get into the epistles, this is written to believers. So Paul's telling believers at Ephesus, put on the helmet of salvation, but they already saved. He's trying to get them to see, think like it. Right? I mean, in his letter to the believers in Rome, he tells them, you only transform by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes the problem is not that you don't have a good heart. It's we don't have a new head. Just because my morals change doesn't mean my mind did. I'm done. Last thing he says is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you not realize that this weapon is the only offensive weapon? The sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon. Everything else is defensive. Lord, I missed that shield of faith, but maybe we'll come back and do it another time. That's a good one too. Because the shield, it doesn't stop the fiery darts from the enemy of coming to you. The Bible says it quenches them. Because the shield was wrapped, um, they would have their shield wrapped in leather. And they would dip it in water. So that when those flaming arrows came, the shield would extinguish it. (laughs) And he says, you know what that is? That's your faith. How does that shake your theological tree about faith? Because faith don't stop them from shooting the arrows. Faith stops what shot at you from killing you. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There are three words in the New Testament you'll see here used for the Word of God. One is a word called graphy, which refers to the writings of God. Another one is a word called logos, which refers to the reasoning or arguments uh, or the meaning of the word. When you hear a sermon that explains the read, the meaning of the graphy, that's the logos. The final Greek word, though, is one called rhema. And this is what Paul uses here in this text. And it means an utterance, a word spoken, a specific declaration of the word. Out of all the things that sit in the written Bible, the graphy, out of all of the logos you hear, the reasoning, the presentation of the word, the interpretation of the word, every now and then you get a rhema. That's like 
this part of the Bible right here being declared right now is the exact word that I need. When you get a message and it is like, wait a minute, did somebody tell him what's going on in my life? That's God taking a specific part of the Bible, making it be proclaimed at a specific point in your life where it deals with a specific need. Rhema. Fight with that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't think I'm going to make it. What did he tell you? <laughs> you fight with that. I don't know what's going on with my children. What did he tell you? Fight with that. I don't know what's happening in my future. What did he tell you? Fight with that. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this summer, I want you to suit up. I want you to fight all the other words that are coming against you. And I want you to fight with the word of God. This is not the summer where you lose ground. This is the summer where you're going to take ground. Because for the first time in your life, many of you actually are prepared for spiritual warfare. You've been trying to bind and loose when what you really need is just put some clothes on. You need to suit up. And this is your summer to suit up. And I want to know, am I talking to anybody that says I'm ready to take ground this summer? I will take ground. I'll take ground this summer. You can vacation and take ground. You can, did you hear what I just said? You can, you can vacation and take ground. You can, you can hang with your children and take ground. Because taking ground isn't just about what you do. It's about who you become. And this is the summer where you say, I'm suiting up so I can be everything God's called me to be. I'm putting on truth. I'm protecting my heart. I'm fighting for my peace. I'm developing my faith by consistently hearing the word of God. Some of you do not listen to enough sermons. Some of you, some of you, you listen to enough sermons, it's just too many voices. And some of you aren't at the season yet where you're mature enough to discern meat from bones yet. Some of you are. Some of you, I love you. Some of you are not. And so you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, to prompt you on what you need to do in this season. I just want you to avoid being frustrated because you've developed faith for something that ain't true. There are some things you cannot name, claim, blab, grab, call, haul. Some things you have to live through. Do not be weary in well-doing. But this is your summer to suit up. We're going to we're going to take ground. And I don't know whatever it is that you want to be better, but we're going to pause. I want to do more of this. I want to pause right now online at every location. I want you, I want, I want a moment for reflection. And I want you to, you owe you. You owe you this summer. Some of you, uh, oh God, debt been paid in full by Jesus. I'm not even going to bother that. 
Everything, everything you do now is an expression of your appreciation and love for him. You can't even earn. <laughs> you can't even earn it. He loves you no less on your bad, bad days than he does your good days. But I want you to have some reflection because you owe you. And I want you to reflect. Where are you going to gain ground this summer? Come on now. No, no. Right now. Because you're going to leave this moment and then the devil's spiritual warfare. He's going to bombard you with stuff. Life's going to have you get, you get happy about something, mad about something. You're going to forget right now. I want you to make a promise, not to God. Make a promise to you. We got to be careful about all these vows we make to God. Ecclesiastes says it's better not to make a vow than to make one and not keep it. So I want you, this is about you. Where are you going to gain ground this summer? I will not regret this summer. This is, the, this is a pivot summer where you're getting ready to pivot the rest of your year. Father, now I pray for the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, you are the only one that can help people with the implementation and execution of this word. I just pray for them right now. I pray that you would help them in the days and weeks to come to gain ground this summer, to be suited up properly so that they can be who you've called them to be and do what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen. Clap your hands at every location. Put some fire in that chat. Come on, clap your hands at every location and put some fire in that chat. Listen to me, some of you are watching me right now and you recognize I need to make a decision. All these weapons you talked, you talked about, where do I find them, Pastor Dares? You only get these through Jesus. And I want you to come into a personal relationship with him, even if you don't know what that means. If there's something on the inside of you telling you, I need to make a step. I need to make a decision. I need to make a change. Then today is your day to do that. There's a number that's going to come across the screen. I want you to text that number. It's the most important text that you have ever sent in your life because our team's going to walk you through these next steps, let you know uh, what it means to be led and have your sins forgiven by this man named Jesus. Others of you, listen to me. Um, and I know I'm talking to you like this is not even prophetic. This is just data. I know that there are many of you watching me right now and you are dealing with some religious trauma. I'm not talking about trite church hurt. A lot of things that people call a church hurt, it's, you know, offense that they have. And sometimes it's, they got pride. It's the only thing they can see is what was done to them. They can't see what they've done to other people. I'm not talking about that. Some of you really dealt with some religious trauma. You've been hurt and wounded deeply. And you found Change Church to be a safe place for you. And God's called us to be that place. We are for the unchurched, the churched, and the dechurched. This is a safe place for you. And I'm not going to push you to do anything before you're ready. But you can't give up on the church because of what happened at a church. And for some of you, it's time to get planted somewhere. You need a pastor. You need a church. You don't pick it, you discover it. I don't care if you're in Zimbabwe. When God connects you to a man or a woman or to a house, a church, then you're responsible for your obedience. Some of you are asking too many questions before you obey. 
what about this? What about that? I'm not there. Is a location coming here? You just got to obey God. And if something's telling you, take the next step. I'm telling you, take the next step. Because the anointing you partner with is the anointing you share it. Those that are planted in the house of God shall flourish. Some things don't flourish until you officially plant yourself. And if you, if that's you and I'm talking to you right now, what I want you to do is I want you to text that number on the screen also. And we're going to help you walk through your next steps. Whether you are in our location right now, whether you are watching online, this is your next step. And I'm excited about how God's going to change your life i pray for the harvest every day that i pray i pray for the harvest i pray that god would do what i can and that's touch your heart and prompt you to actually obey excited and grateful also grateful for the opportunity man for us to worship god not just with the fruit of our lips but with the work of our hands and family this is going to be you know i love you know there's a lot of talk about a lot of different things and you know recessions and things of that nature it's time like these where i get the most excited because this is where making financial covenant with god matters <laughs> Right. So even when the Bible talks about that word curse, I don't that it doesn't mean hex. God doesn't like hex people. It's like you're not going to have money ever because you don't give me money. That's not he doesn't tempt or test anyone with evil. That's not what he's doing. But when the Bible talks about this idea of curse, it just means absent of divine involvement. It's God saying you made a decision. You do not want to involve me in that area of your life. And I respect your decision. He respect. He allows you to reject him. He doesn't even force salvation on you. He allows you the opportunity to reject him. And today, listen to me. And today, some of us have that opportunity. I, I am in, I'm in, a, I'm in the financial part of the covenant with God. It's the first tenth of everything he gives. We, we give to him. And so the Bible says, and Isaac prospered in a famine. And so will you. We believe that. And somebody always does. Why can't it be us? The people of God. So there, there are ways for you to give. They're coming on the screen. Also, thank you for your faithfulness, for your generosity to all of our locations. Thank you for being mature houses. God is doing something significant in and through your life. And listen to me. If you're watching this and you've never jumped into our pathway to purpose, what are you waiting on? That is your next step right now. You don't want to spend most of your life before you figure out what you're supposed to do with your life. That's why my latest book that's coming out, I wrote it on purpose. I didn't even want to write it on that. I wanted to write it on, as I wanted to write on something else. But the point that I'm making is this is so important. I don't want you to be confused on it. Get into pathway to purpose because God has a purpose and a plan for your life life. Man, I hope you received this word. Clap your hands everybody all over. God bless. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, earlier today Testing, testing. Can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me? You can't hear me? Oh, praise the Lord. Sometimes I am yelling, so they was okay with not turning the mic on. What an incredible word today. I mean, listen, I was over there typing so fast. I was like, I wish I knew how to type in shorthand. Suit up. Suit up. And make sure that you are back next week because we are going deeper 
in this summer school session. Listen, if you know that you're glad you came to church today, can you give God a great hand clap of praise? I see you, sis. So good to see you. Listen, one of the things that I heard earlier today, a friend of mine, um, we were rallying, and he said that God will feed you according to your appetite. And I think we were well fed today. And if you don't know that 8-7, we have an 8-7 culture here that we have, it's called hunger, where God gives us an insatiable appetite for his word and for his presence. And today we were well fed. Can we give God another hand clap of praise for being a part of one of the most amazing churches where we are always fed? And so what I want to do is I want to make sure that you know that next week we are back here, same time, in the building. Invite someone to come out. It's going to be an amazing experience. And here's the other thing. Sometimes people leave, um, you know, and they need prayer. And so we, will, we have something called a connect team, and they're going to be right down here at the front. And they'll be glad to partner with you through prayer. In addition to our global family, you know we never leave you. They are dropping that link in the chat right now. We have a group of people who are ready to respond to you as well. And so I want you to know that we love you and our pastors love you. And we are so glad that you chose to be with us here on today. The last thing that I want to share, Pastor was talking about pathway to purpose. How many of you have already been through it? Let me hear you. Listen, I've been here a long time, but every time we have something that he created, I'm like, can I sign in where I sign in at? Pathway to purpose is where you have an opportunity to really understand what it means to live, love, and lead like Jesus. Because we can't do what he's calling us to do if we don't know him. And so this is your opportunity. We're going to have Pathway to Purpose directly after our services. But this is the other thing that I want to tell y'all. Somebody say, hang out. Oh, y'all don't sound excited. Let's try that again. Because I get to go to a lot of our campuses. I want to hear somebody say, hang out. Listen, don't run out when we leave. When service is over, after I give the benediction, I want to invite you to hang out. We're going to be out in the lobby. There's going to be some music playing. Folks are going to be taking pictures. I'm not big on social media, but you know, like, you know what I'm saying. No. Oh, y'all being bougie. All right, I'm at the wrong campus. Let me see if I can come over here. Who's on social media? I know some of y'all on social media. There you go. All right, thank you. Hang out. Don't leave right away. Get connected. Know who your tribe is, who your people are. Learn about your church. And guess what? We got somebody that's in the building from the city of Trenton that's going to be talking about a job fair. So who say they need a job? I know my son need one. I'm, I'm going to go talk to her. So I want to encourage y'all to hang out. Don't run out the door. Connect with your family. It's an opportunity for us to touch one another with care and to also build community. It's a big part of who we are. So I'm going to give you the blessing before you leave, which is called the benediction. And then we're going to hang out. All right. How you doing? You're beautiful. I forgot what I was supposed to be saying. May the Lord God bless you. May he keep you. May his face of favor shine upon you. May he protect you and may he provide for you. And above all else, may he give you peace that surpasses your understanding. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. God bless you. I'm looking forward to seeing you out in the lobby.